Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of Coffee with Jesus. Today I want to unpack a thought that I've entitled Light a Fire. And uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to go through one of my favorite people from Scripture, Elisha, and ask some questions about how can we go beyond just a normal, average life to one that pursues God in an incredible way. If you're new to our podcast, welcome. As far as possible, we'll be releasing this podcast every week. And the point of us spending time together is just for us to grab a cup of coffee or tea. We don't discriminate. Perhaps you're going to listen to this on your way to work or at gym, dropping the kids off, wherever it is. And let's speak about something about anything that's going to help us become more like Jesus. So if you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you're on, and let's dive into today's session. As always, I think it's good to give some background to the story that we're going to be looking at. Before Elisha became a prophet, there was another prophet by the name of Elijah, uh, very similar, uh, and many of us get mixed up between the two. He was a big deal. Elijah was a big deal, and you can read all about him in the historical records in Two Kings in the Old Testament. Elijah was not a fan of the king at the time and queen, uh, Ahab and Jezebel, because they worshipped idols. One day, Elijah makes up a contest where all the priests of the idol Baal would get together and do whatever they needed to do for their God to send fire. Elijah would do the same, and they would see which God actually did what they asked. Long story short, Elijah wins, obviously, ends up killing all the other priests that were there, the, the, the prophets of Baal. This really upset the queen, and so she decides that she needs to kill Elijah because he was becoming too much of a nuisance. Again, long story short, Elijah flees from this woman after killing 400 men and eventually gets to the point where he's cross and tired. He's had enough. He calls out to God and says, just kill me. I'm done. I'm the only prophet left. In fact, I'm the only one left who even cares about you, God. So do me a favor and let me die. Scripture tells us that he goes and lies under a tree and hopes for death. God, however, doesn't kill Elijah, but he takes him up on a mountain. Again, short, long story short, he feeds him, gets him up on a mountain. And in one of the most amazing scenes in the Bible, God tells a man what his plans are. God tells Elijah who the next king will be, what will happen when he comes to power. God tells Elijah that there's a group of people who will serve God and worship him. And part of the plan was for Elijah to find someone to be his successor. God had already chosen someone, but Elijah needs to anoint them and teach them. The name of the successor is the guy by the name of Elisha. It was very convenient that they both had names that sounded the same. We're going to pick up the story after God has had this conversation with Elijah. Elijah has journeyed. He's found this guy by the name of Elisha. And I just want to have a look at three verses that will help us download uh, what it means to live the life that I spoke about up front. A life that goes beyond the ordinary. 1 Kings 19 verse 19. That's where we're going to start. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. My first point today, the first thing we see about Elisha is that Elisha was working. Before there's a conversation, before there's anything else, we see Elisha diligent in the field. He wasn't sitting around waiting to be called into full-time ministry. He wasn't waiting for Elijah, expecting to be called. Elisha was working, and God called Elisha, this is important, during his work. We see this pattern all through Scripture. Moses was called while being a, a shepherd. So was David. Peter and John were called while they were fishing. Matthew was called while he was collecting taxes. Paul was called while he was on his way to the synagogue to persecute Christians. There is such a clear principle and pattern in Scripture. God calls those who seem to be working, not those who are, are, are sitting around. 
not only those who are working, but those who are diligent in their work. Here is such a simple principle. If you want to succeed, whether it's in your business, your relationships, whether your, your grades at school, health, finances, be diligent in your work. We often use the term, I'm waiting for my ship to come in. Essentially, what we say when we say that is, we're going to do the bare minimum and hope one day we will succeed through some form of magic, some silver bullet. We hope something will happen to bring us success. Elijah puts his cloak on Elisha to symbolize the calling and the anointing. But the work came first. Don't expect God to anoint you if you are being lazy. If you want God's anointing in your marriage, work at it. If you want God's anointing in your health, work at it. God anoints when we work. Now, what I'm not saying, please don't misunderstand me, is that we earn God's gifts. Salvation, we know, is a free gift. We know that His grace is by, by, by faith alone. We are not trying to earn things from God. But what we do see in Scripture, the pattern we see in Scripture, is that God calls those who He already sees has a good work ethic. He's not going to take someone who's lazy and isn't willing to do the work and call him to a place of leadership. His anointing and blessing to those who aren't prepared to work is going to be wasted if they are bestowed on those who are lazy. Very next verse, 1 Kings 19 verse 20. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come to you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Elisha left everything he knew. He leaves his comfort zone. He left a job he was good at. He left the comfort and security of having family nearby. He left everything that made his life comfortable. And if we want to live a greater life, we can't settle for comfortable. Again, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you need to leave your family. You need to, no, no. But what I am saying is that comfort is the enemy of greatness. If you want to live the best life God has for you, then we can't be attached to comfortable. Often we'll have to sacrifice what's comfortable. This, again, is something we see over and over in Scripture. It's another pattern. When we have an encounter with God and we allow our heart to be gripped by this idea of what life can be, then we tend to leave the easy and the comfortable behind in pursuit of the greater life that God has for us. When we're called to do something great with our lives, it's no longer good enough to simply be comfortable. We need to become committed. This is where things get a little bit tricky for me. Again, over and over in the Bible, we see men and women who dedicated their lives to the calling of God. They were committed, and it wasn't because someone told them to be committed. They weren't convinced to leave the comfortable behind because they heard a sermon. This is something we have to do for ourselves. We have to choose commitment. We have to choose sacrifice. We have to choose to let go of the comfortable. I can't do it for you, just like you can't do it for me. This isn't something our parents can do for us or a colleague can do for us. Committing to something has to come from within you. And then 1 Kings 19 verse 21. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, and he gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his attendant. This is the point here. Elisha burns the backup plan. I love this part of the story. He's been given this cloak, and in a sense, he, he understands that there's this calling. And the first thing Elisha says is, please, can I say goodbye? Elisha, Elijah lets him go, but reminds him that Elijah didn't call him, but God did. Elisha runs back and not only says goodbye, but burns all their oxen. Not only does he make a bry out of the animals, but he also burns the equipment they used with the oxen. In other words, Elisha was burning any and all backup plan. 
I always think this is quite funny because imagine what his family must have thought. Because I, I, you assume that this was a family business and Elisha's family owned the oxen and the equipment. But because Elisha steps out, he burns up everything. I think for many of us, we get this call on our lives while we are working. We leave everything we know. But what we tend not to do is we tend not to burn the backup plan. We keep it just in case this whole living for Jesus thing doesn't actually work out. Elisha could have left the oxen. He could have stored the equipment in a barn somewhere, but he knew, and it is something we need to get to, that if you have a backup plan in the barn, when the going gets tough, the average go back to their backup plan. This is true for you, whether you are a Christian or not. This is true for anything we want to do in life that is more than simply average, more than just comfortable. If we have nothing to fall back on, then we make sure that what we have in front of us succeeds. It makes us hungry for success. It makes us get up earlier than the rest and work harder than the others because we know we don't have anything to go back to. People who say don't put all your eggs into one basket are not necessarily following this example. We read in here over and over again how those who have a plan B were the ones who left when the going got tough. They were the ones who didn't cross the line. And I don't know what this means to you. It might be a relationship you keep running back to. It might be a job you know you can walk back into. Whatever it is, you want to live a great life, you have to burn the backup plan. The reason this is important is because if we have a backup plan, we're prone to keep looking backwards instead of forwards. Elisha made sure there was nothing to look back at. And that smell of the fire reminded him that he only had one direction left open to him. And it was forward into the prophetic. When we do that, I want us to notice something. Elisha burned the oxen and gave it to the people to eat. When we decide to burn the things holding us back, others reap the rewards as well. When we set out to follow God and, and we leave things behind in the right way, other people are going to benefit. It might be as simple as another person getting your job or your husband and wife enjoying a fully devoted spouse. Whatever it is, others will benefit when you choose to light that fire. Light the fire. That's the whole point of this message. We need to get to the point where we can burn things so that we can move forward. Perhaps for you, it's burning a thinking pattern. It's burning regret. Whatever it is, we need to burn these things so we don't keep going back. For some of you, the thought might be, I don't have anything to burn. And that's a great place to be in. But I know from experience in my own life that most of us have more to burn than we care to admit. We have things that continue to drag us back into the same cycle and habits over and over. Your life and your future depend on you having a braai. If you're listening to this from outside South Africa, a barbecue. Isn't that an awesome thought? We need to have a braai and the things on the fire are the things that are holding us back from the life God is calling us to live. Now for some of us, having a braai might be as simple as walking away from something. For others, lighting that fire means doing the hard work of counseling. So you can burn those old thought patterns or those old wounds that keep festering and, and pulling us back into a victim mentality. So burning a fire might look simple or it might take months of, of, of work and commitment. Regardless, what I believe is that this story shows us that keeping your backup plan is the very thing that's going to stop you stepping fully into the future that God has for you. So my prayer for you and I this week is that as we go through this week, God would reveal to us the very thing that we need to let go of. And in doing so, we would be able to step into fully a life that is defined by the prophetic and the call of God. God bless you. Have a phenomenal week ahead. And we will see you same time, same place next week.